While they're all talking state standards, we're sitting on a bar stool making fun of them. Classroom Brew Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Classroom Brew. If you are new to the podcast, welcome to it. My name is Ryan. I'm a teacher, a coach, instructional coach, and run this podcast. If you are a returning member or a listener, listener, yeah, uh, thanks for thanks for coming back and, and tuning into another episode. I uh, hope you guys liked last week's episode uh, where we had Hayden on, who was my, my student teacher. I think that was last week. I don't know. We, we kind of banked a couple episodes here, so it's a little bit uh, weird to keep track of. But um, yeah, it sounds like he, he is underway in his job search, and we wish him all the best for that uh, <laughs> lovely full-time job of trying to get and land a full-time teaching job. Uh, so to, to everyone out there who's a pre-service teacher or a teacher looking for their first job or a veteran who's been in it for a while, whether they're looking or not, cheers to you. Uh, for this one, I'm having a, one of those high noons, actually, that we bought from the <laughs> the recording with Aiden. Uh, I guess that's the... So anytime you come on for a little bit of background context, if somebody comes on the podcast and they come and see me, I always ask them what they would like to drink. Now, granted, I think I screwed up because Hayden uh, mentioned that he likes seltzers, but this is a seltzer that's tequila-based. So I guess we'll see if it's good or not. Um, so I apologize, <laughs> Hayden. I think he switched to what I was drinking at a certain point. So maybe they're not great. Who knows? It's not bad. Uh, it's just lime flavored. Um, anyways, if you want to support the show, go above and beyond. Uh, just like Lish, James, Cindy, Melinda, Sabrina, Leslie, Leo, and Adam have done, just go to patreon.com slash classroombrew. On the Patreon, we have exclusive episodes that you can only see uh, and or hear on there, as well as some bonus content that's not really episode related, like behind the scenes stuff or just videos that are exclusive to uh, the Patreon members. Uh, but also, if you notice, so Martia talking Tia on Instagram and TikTok and all that stuff. Uh, she posted the thing about the t-shirts and the koozie and the shot glasses or whatever it was that she posted. Uh, that is also where you get access to that. So big thank you to everyone who is currently a Patreon member. We got a wedding to pay for, so we appreciate that. But also, we try to make sure we take most of that money and, and throw it back at you guys um, in addition to you know covering the costs of production for the bonus stuff and the regular stuff. So patreon.com slash classroom brew. Our first one, this one, we've been talking a lot, you know, as we talk about the issue of people trying to get a job, there was this article about teachers that are in Cleveland. Uh, it's called Garfield Heights, which I thought was, uh, there's Garfield Park in uh, Chicago. Uh, if you don't know, I teach in Chicago and live in the Chicago land area. Um, but I guess they've had, uh, you know, a solid third or two third, I forget what it was, teachers and psychologists and counselors who have resigned. And it sounds like it's a pretty high turnover area. So we'll just take a look at that. Uh, I think it was NBC. 
Several teachers that have been in the district for decades tell me they've never seen this level of turnover that's happening right now. They say it all comes down to feeling safe and valued. Those are some of the same concerns that some families tell me they share too. It's been a summer of tough decisions for Rebecca Justice's family. It breaks my heart that I have to take him out of this district and that's the only way I feel good. Is, is to remove him from a place that's been so important to my family. Her middle school son would have been the third generation to graduate from Garfield Heights City School. That's so, so the issue so far, safe and valued. Uh, it, to be honest with you, I mean, that is cool that people are, you know, generational, but I think just in general, if it's your neighborhood school, you don't feel safe enough to go there. That's pretty bad. But she says bullying and fears for his safety forced her to enroll him outside the district next year. There doesn't seem to be any accountability or any support for the teachers who are trying to keep their kids safe in their classrooms. And this is an issue that we talk about all the time when it comes to not just safety, but even academics and expecting more of our kids, whether it's executive functioning or you know their behavior or their academic skill or even the workload and the work ethic they put toward their schoolwork. Uh, I know Martia has been talking a lot about the 50% for attempting or 50% for existing thing. We have a 45 minimum um, percentage, 45% minimum in our school. And essentially, if you've read the case against the zero, that's what we're talking about. But the biggest issue that we've run into is not so much the enabling of a lack of behavior from kids, but the biggest issue has been enabling of staff members who don't ask students to do anything or they want to be their friend or they're tired and so they just don't feel like doing their job, which sends forth absolutely the wrong message, but it makes it so much harder for those of us who actually do our jobs on a daily basis. So that lack of accountability, it isn't just in safety. That sounds like this is the main thing that they're focusing on, and that's obviously the first thing. Um, Safety, you can't do anything unless your safety needs are net, met and your biological needs, but this isn't surprising. And I think especially now with such an undervalued profession, I, I guess the wrong people who see what they can or cannot do might be getting into this profession and then the, the right people are getting out of it and for a good reason. Message Justice and others are bringing to the Board of Education meeting Monday. There has been so much speculation as to what has caused to what I refer to as a mass exodus of almost 30% of our staff since school ended six weeks ago. The Garfield Heights Teachers Association says at least 75 of its members have resigned ahead of the new school year. That's almost 60% more than last year's record-breaking 47 departures. This year's numbers include all five of the district's school psychologists and nearly half of the teaching staff at the middle school. All of this pressure, lack of time, concern for my safety, and feeling like I can't be the teacher that I want to be has made me dread coming to work every day. Resigning teachers and their union reps shared stories about feeling unsafe and undervalued. Garfield Heights City Schools leadership did me such a disservice. I do not think that I will ever enter the public teaching field again. Some say the administration isn't adequately disciplining students, and even after a contentious contract negotiation last fall, district staff remained the lowest paid in Cuyahoga <laughs> County. District leadership declined an on-camera interview, but the superintendent did. told board members during the meeting that the district is gathering feedback from outgoing staff. I love that. We're doing exit interviews. It's too late for them, but we'll make minimum, minimal changes to what the issue is. 
And, and that's the main thing is that this exodus of teachers, it's not new. It's just getting a little bit more uh, attention. And, and the, the issue of enabling or, or trying to get kids back into the classroom, again, I think it came from a good place where, you know, the school to prison pipeline or the same kids that are constantly being put out or even just some uh, disciplinary practices that were unsavory in the classroom. I understand. Trust me. But the problem is that the, I say this every single time, I feel like the pendulum swung way too far. In my first, I think I've mentioned this in the past. I mean, the podcast has been going on for five-ish years. I'm sure it's come up, but I had a student I think I mentioned them in the Patreon episode that we just did on on baby names that are ruined forever because of certain students. But a student that quite literally was off the walls every single day, even during finals week at the end of the semester when it was like, Jesus, let's just get it over with. Uh, Quite literally jumping around on tables and desks and counters and walls and throwing shit, uh, even throwing his glasses. And they brought him right back. He had a one-to-one and a member from admin with him all day. And he would still go off the walls, batshit crazy. And he does this during the final. And I go, please remove him. Uh, he's done for the day. And I'm not even kidding you. 30 seconds later, they bring him back. And he damn well knew, you know? He had certain capacities that, you know, you know, he was able to be aware of what he was doing and his impact. At times, he knew. And that's the big issue. And if it comes to safety, that's another, you know, it's a non-negotiable. What are they possibly going to say to any teacher who says, hey, I don't feel safe. And they say, well, you know, we'll gather some feedback and see what we say. <laughs> like, what? Like, I got clocked in the face my second year, but that year was way safer than the first year. So what does that tell you? And granted, it was, uh, this is way back, like first year, of the no, first year, first-ish year of the podcast. Uh, first two years, uh, and it was an unintentional like you know hook that I caught while trying to break up a fight in the room. But like if if that was a safety upgrade for me, what does that tell you about the previous year? You know, like I think about that all the time when we were talking with Hayden, the the issue of like punitive punishments, and that's what a lot of the things that I have to do really are. It's punitive because what else gets through or, or gets the room to where it needs to be? I have to be the bad guy, it feels like, all the time. I say it every single year. Guys, I could be a dick. I mean, I'm paraphrasing now. Maybe I'll just say it next year. I could be a dick or this could be a super chill classroom. It's all up to you. But I think because of so many enabling staff, kids see right through that and they're like, nothing, they aren't going to do shit. If I want to fuck around, I'm going to be able to do it. And they're not wrong especially if they've been in the school for a minute. But it's funny how there's just this, this like epidemic of just, I'm sorry, shit educators. I'm not saying they're a shitty person. I'm not saying that they are, they are inherently bad or incompetent. But if they make these decisions where they're not doing their fucking job on a daily basis, they're a shit educator. Sorry. Maybe I've had one too many, but I would say that if I was sober, you know? Just do your job. I don't know. So that's a shame about the... I know that there's a big issue with uh, a bunch of strikes happening all around. I'm, I'm sure that will, that will come up. But, um, you know, shout out to those, those teachers. And hopefully they got into a better situation, whether it's in teaching or, or not. 
Um, anyway, well, so on Saturday, a couple weeks ago, I actually was proctoring the ACT. And it's been a minute since I've proctored, especially proctoring with students who I, I don't teach as their, their gen ed teacher. Uh, where like comparing, sometimes I have proctoring rooms where it's got some students at my school in it, but for the most part, it's students from you know, other schools around the state who come to our facility, facility, our school for national like testing dates. Uh, and and I, it's sad, but I love seeing just the difference in approach for the ACT or SAT where there are some kids who have studied or taken it seriously or they, they know certain strategies or they're just invested in what comes next. And like they'll use on a 50 minute test, they'll use all 50 minutes of it and they've got it like down to a science, you know, like they'll save the last like seven minutes to double check answers they weren't sure about. They'll save the last two minutes to make sure that nothing is blank. They'll save the last 60 seconds for anything that's unanswered if there are anything or anything that is unanswered. And then our kids, on the other hand, they try for a few minutes. Maybe they leave a lot of stuff blank or they just bubble in random ones and they put their heads down for the last 45 to 47 minutes of a 50-minute exam. Granted. I'm not saying ACT or SAT is a good measure of post-secondary success, but it's sad where it's like, I don't know if our kids can compete. The kids that I teach in my school, uh, for example, our AP scores just came out and this was, not that I haven't tried in past AP years, but I felt the best about this year. You know, it's post-pandemic, it's a full year of being in person and there's less complaints about having to be in person from kids. Most of the kids are at reading level or close to it compared to past year. I don't think I've ever had a, a year of AP with everyone being at reading level or better, but it was the best attempt. And seriously, we did experiments on a cadence of every other week, essentially, uh, and all these enrichment activities. It was the best effort I ever gave. And the most time I had for review while also still getting to all the content in a timely manner. The kids did their homework most of the time. It was insane. But everyone still got a one on a hundred question, hundred multiple choice to FRQ, which is free response question. And I was like, damn, not that I'm going to give up, but like this was our best shot. And for context, there's never been a single student at our school to get above a one on an AP test. Now on a portfolio for AP art in the past, we've had some threes and twos, but we've never had anything above a one. The minimum score is a one. So we've never had any student in anything, AP Calc, Bio, Psych, Geo, U.S. History, uh, I'm blanking on stuff, any, uh, Computer Science, never anything above a one. It's a little discouraging, um, I will not lie, but I guess we'll see this upcoming year who's on my roster. And, um, but the point I'm trying to get to is, is with the SAT, ACT, it's sad seeing this disparity in face it, it is a competition. You know? If scores for uh, advanced, uh, advanced placement uh, exams and stuff are based on the average, then they are literally indirect competition. If their SAT and ACT scores are still being looked at by, uh, by schools, by colleges, they are in direct competition. It is their baseline at that level. Uh, and it's just sad. And also, I'm sick of being put in the ROTC room <laughs> when I'm proctoring. Uh, 
I get it. It's because there was a large number. I think I had 44 some odd kids or whatever. Um, and that's one of the biggest classrooms that also provides desks. But man, I feel like I'm about to enlist these poor kids on a Saturday morning. Um, but yeah. And it's interesting too to see how you can kind of tell which kids are, um, how do I put it, assholes versus nice kids or want to engage with you and, and, and converse during the breaks or whatever, just to, you know, loosen them up, get them to laugh a little bit, you know, not be as, you know, like stone cold, like this is the ACT or this is the SAT. Um, yeah. Anyway, well, so I was reading this article. Um, honestly, to prepare for the episode, I was reading this article. Um, let's see if I can find it. So there's this thing going on, and we've covered stuff with teachers in the UK. Um, now, this is from The Guardian. Uh, and the headline reads that teachers in England will have to tell parents if children question their gender. I'll read that again. Teachers in England will have to tell parents, disclose to parents, if their children are questioning their gender. I don't know. So it says teachers will be forced to tell parents uh, if they are questioning, even if the young person objects under new guidance for schools in England. The... <laughs> The equalities minister is the person who is saying this. Um, apparently, it's coming out later this week. This is as of uh, July 2023, by the way, depending on when you're listening. Um, basically, they're, they're saying so that parents know what is going on with their children at school. Because why would they talk to their children outside of school about what's going on in school and have a genuine connection and all that stuff? Under the new plan, head teachers are expected to be told uh, that parents must always be consulted if a child wants to be called by another name or wear a different uniform. I assume this is assuming schools with uh, gendered uniforms. Also been suggested that schools will not be able to use the, the child's new preferred pronouns until the parent gives their consent. That's how consent works, right? These minors have no, uh, no legal right to the name that they want to be call what if their name is like william and they want to go by will technically well no this is only gendered uh self-identity honestly self-identity alone the phrase self-identity should say all that you need to say but no apparently not apparently it's self-identity but cross off the self and put like parent uh, approved self-identity or parent approved identity at this point um, anyway, there's a lot of confusion apparently about the law, but they want to make sure that parents are informed. I don't know if I would like, it, it sounds, it sounds better if it's like informing the parent, like maybe, you know, partnership or whatever, assuming healthy communication, but it sounds really bad when you talk about like the parent has to approve the new pronouns or the new names or the new, uh, what do you call it? Gender typing. It's just going to lead to students not wanting to open up to somebody at all. You know, if their home isn't a safe place to do that, now their school isn't going to be a safe place. You know, I know we're not mental health workers or medical professionals, but this seems kind of like a violation. I know they're minors, but like, isn't that a thing where if you disclose something, even to your parent, the mental health professional cannot disclose that. You know, that's where like the whole point of like trust and confidentiality and what you say in this safe place will remain protected. So, I don't know. 
That's disconcerting. There's a lot of stuff that's disconcerting going on right now about uh, the situation of education in England. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about it, but it's just, it's problematic. You've heard my thoughts on it, but <sighs> I don't know. I really don't know. Um, this is more of like just a, a general mentioning, by the way, but I heard that the Kansas teacher shortage uh, is apparently on uh, on the decline. I almost said on the rise, but it's the shortage is getting better uh, as people call for improved salaries. Now, if you look up any single article related to teacher strikes, everyone just assumes that the teachers are uh, being greedy. And there are so many articles that have to say something like, the teachers aren't just striking for more money. They also want this. And like, yeah, that is the case. But fuck it, I'm saying it again. This is like the third week in a row. I'm saying it on the podcast. Let us strike over fair pay. You know, working conditions, yes. And things for students, yes. And resources, absolutely. But let us fucking make pay, teacher pay, the number one issue. We're talking about teacher shortages and you know, lack of autonomy and safety and all these things, whether it's in uh, Garfield Heights or or in England or in Kansas or in Chicago, whatever it might be, make teacher pay an issue. You know? Hey, make the profession harder to get into if you want to. I think it already is, depending on, you know, the state that you got your certification in or the year that you got it, but make it more lucrative. And then maybe the education crisis gets a little better. Or at the very least, just, you know, take any funding and put it into the schools. Because again, anytime there's a contract negotiation, most of the issues are not related to salary. And I'm telling you, let's finally start prioritizing it. As I dropped everything. <laughs> there we go. Well, cheers for, I guess it's a drop day. You all had a drop day, right? When you just can't, you just, you drop everything. Hence the name, drop day. Um, all right, so this is uh, an article I saw from The Independent uh, that there are teachers protesting the dismissal of a colleague uh, who was just trying to break up a fight. The, the, here we go. The Swansea Council have uh, <laughs> uh, handled the case. Oh, there's, look at this. There's a, an ad that I got to mute here, but it's uh, talking about teacher salaries compare across Europe. Uh, I should point out, this is uh, another overseas one that we're talking about. I got sick of talking about American education for a little bit, but uh, yeah, they are, uh, so the NS, the Nasut Teachers Union said its members voted overwhelmingly to take part in an industrial action on Thursday over adverse employer practices, threats to their job security, and the failure of Swansea Council to comply with existing collective agreements. Interesting. Um, so being treated unfairly, it sounds like, let's see. <clears throat> All right, they're saying that teachers should feel supported when they intervene to keep themselves and their pupils safe. Uh, they're saying that they are extremely disappointed in the, un the union's decision to ballot for a strike and said it refutes all claims of employer abuse. Now, I obviously don't know what happened with that fight itself. But if there's someone trying to jump in to stop a fight, I'm going to assume positive intent. Uh, now, it sounds like they have appealed, but people are angry that, you know, this shouldn't have been an issue at all. We were just, that was the issue in uh, Garfield Heights. 
safety in the schools. So the whole point of them, yes, protect this employee that got the hook for trying to break up a fight. But the reason, there's a wider problem, and that is violence and aggression in schools, and it's getting worse, and we're not doing anything about it. And if we do something about it, we could lose our job. Even if they are trained professionals, you know? (sighs) So now people are going to be very, very nervous uh, and, and not do anything because if you lay a hand on a child, then you have, you know, everyone looking down your neck. Even if you're just getting physically in the way and the, the kid is initiating the contact, like, I don't know, trying to dip their shoulder and muscle you out of the way, that's going to go against you. How are we going to make our school safe? I think in a given school year, uh, teachers work approximately 205 days. The students are there for approximately 180, 190 of those. 190 days. And I think every single year, so what is that? Oh, over the course of we're 40-week employees or something like that. So that, no, that's not right. Maybe that is right. I think we are 40-week employees. That means about 38 to 39 weeks. I would say a solid third of that. I have uh, at least one fight to break up. Yeah, 33 to 34% of the time (laughs) at my job, I have a fight to break up at any point in the year. And sometimes they come in bunches. I'm not saying it's a regular cadence. Uh, There's always something in the water for stints of time. But if I didn't jump in, (laughs) it's going to get worse. Like we had literally a deadly weapon being used in the second or third to most recent, (laughs) the fact that I have to use that, uh, second or third to most recent fight that I was involved in breaking up. It was a deadly weapon. And had I not done anything, would I have been, you know, an accessory? Would I have been uh, complacent or, or, you know, been on the hook or at least my, my credibility with either students or admin or other staff, whoever, for not doing something when I see something wrong happening? You know? <laughs> and depending on your nature and your physical capabilities and, you know, where you're at in life, you know, I'm not saying it's right or uh, wrong if you see it and you want to, but you don't, or you see it and you don't want to and you don't. But protect the goddamn staff (laughs) for just trying to do the right thing. So I guess it's fitting. I mean, CBS News, uh, I guess good segue there. CBS News posted this thing that an education major used to be a top major in college. So there's a a nice little graphic here. It's like a a pie graph uh, and a little line graph here. And apparently between 1970 and 2021, as it jumps to an ad for me, cool, uh, the number of people that majored in education has dropped off significantly. We're looking at uh, from 21% of all college uh, majors to now less than 4%. That's a huge drop. A huge drop in a short amount of time. It's uh, honestly a relatively good sample size, uh, but it's a short amount of time. So do I have to pay for this ad or something like that? (laughs) That's the title. This is from CBS News. Education was once the number one major for college students. Now it's an afterthought. Today, education is an afterthought for many college students who are more likely to study business, engineering, and even the visual and performing arts, according to data from the National Center for Educational Studies. (sighs) And this, this is a good point too. Even as the population of college students is rising, 
Apparently, it's increased by 150% since 1970. <laughs> the number of bachelor degrees in education has plummeted by almost 50%. That's lovely. But again, when you make it so, you know, unhospitable, so between business, uh, social sciences and history, English, engineering, psychology, and biology, uh, education was literally the, in the top two. Yeah, one in every five college students studied education, making it the most popular subject in higher ed. Today, now it's business as number one. A staggering amount, almost 40%, it looks like, uh, as of 2020. Uh, but education, less than 4%. So it references the teacher pay gap, <laughs> a lack of autonomy, a failure of society to value education at all. Not to mention, you know, going to college is very expensive. Um, so yeah, I, you know, it's just, this is, I guess, a very financially focused summer. Maybe it's because I got a wedding to pay for pretty soon and I'm thinking about it. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm telling you, the fact that, you know, financially we don't really, and I, I can't talk too much. I'm in CPS and it is a very, compared to the norm, uh, fine paying district. We're a little behind inflation right now, but compared to you know many other districts around the U.S., it's, I can't complain too much. Uh, but again, just value it, you know. There's like we had like six vacancies last year going into this summer. I think we had ten or some shit like that, which is approximately like forty percent of our staff <laughs> gone, maybe fifty. I don't know. It depends on the year and the enrollment of students. These are not you know hard issues to diagnose. And they're not even hard issues to fix. Well, let me, let me phrase that. It's hard to implement them, but identifying what those fixes could be is not hard. But the consistency and the valuing of teachers is apparently impossible. Consistency of teachers in the classroom and you know, the valuing of teachers by people who are not teachers, I should say. Whether it's students or other adults in and out of education, doesn't matter. But what I'm trying to say is start valuing us, please. So again, whether you're looking for a job now, you're a veteran, newer teacher, whatever it might be, you just got out of it, I don't know. Uh, good luck to you. Uh, it's a heavy episode. We're just, we're talking about, you know, the stuff that, I mean, it's in the summer, so I don't have as much in-school stories. This is kind of how it goes during the summer. But if you want to be on, though, if you have any thoughts on this, I covered a lot of different stuff, all kind of circling around the same issue um, of valuing or lacking of value, the lacking of value of for teachers in in the uh, the U.S. and the world. Actually, we talked about the U.K. But if you want to be on, you have any thoughts, anything about that? Maybe it's school culture. Maybe it's you know something more national than that or local. Doesn't matter. Uh, just reach out. Classroombrew at gmail dot com is the email, or any of the social medias are classroombrew. Uh, the biggest thing though is let a teacher friend know about the podcast. You know this episode or a previous episode, whatever it might be. Uh, we love to have people engage in the show or be on the show or whatever, with the show or be on the show, whatever. Um, but spreading the word really helps out so we can reach more and more people and hopefully have more and more people on uh, schedules and locations or Zoom uh, dependent, of course. But hey, thank you guys uh, for listening. Check out that Patreon. It's patreon.com slash classroombrew. To support the show, go above and beyond, but also get some podcast merch. Um, show people that you also... Uh, 
have a life and that teachers can also drink and not be prudes and everything that the song says. So, uh, but thank you guys. Hope you're doing well, enjoying the summer, or if it's summer school, I hope it's over soon for you. And until next week, class dismissed. This is Classroom Brew.